1 Corinthians 15, and tonight I want to bring a message entitled, The Gospel Tradition. The Gospel Tradition. Let me just read the passage. This is 1 Corinthians 15. Now I would remind you, brethren, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you were being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and he appeared to Cephas and to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. Let's pray and ask God to work in our hearts as we consider this gospel tradition. Father, thank you that we can look at your word and learn from it. And thank you that we can have this study on the gospel and uh, share it together. We ask that you'd encourage us as we study your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. Tradition often engenders either nostalgia or nausea. At Christmas time, traditions are enjoyed as a family sings Christmas carols or as they read the Christmas story. But at other times, tradition is thought of as something that is dated or unpopular and therefore uncool and then frankly unacceptable, period. Well, one of the best statements I've ever read on tradition comes from G.K. Chesterton. He was a philosopher, and this is what he wrote. Tradition means giving votes to the most obscure of all classes, our ancestors. In the democracy, it is the democracy of the dead. Tradition refuses to submit to the small and arrogant oligarchy of those who merely happen to be walking about. I enjoy the, the humor there, but I, I think it really does communicate a bit of the fact that tradition isn't what is trending, it's what's timeless. And we live in a culture that worships what is trending and what is trendy. It doesn't really allow for tradition at all. Yet tradition is important, and particularly so when it comes to the gospel tradition. And in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul describes the gospel in the language of tradition. I'm going to read from the NIV. This is 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. It says, for, and I'll, I'll insert the gospel for understanding here, for the gospel I received, I passed on to you. You see, the gospel is the tradition Pass from one to another, pass from one generation to another generation. It's like the baton that is handed from one runner to another runner. It's like the football that's handed from the quarterback to the running back. Even so, the gospel is transmitted. Paul received the gospel himself, and then he delivered it to the Corinthians who received it. 
And it's from that that we learn that we must maintain this gospel tradition. We have to maintain the gospel tradition. Two points this evening. First, we have the responsibility to maintain the gospel tradition because Paul passed the gospel on to the Corinthians. The ESV says, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received. So the gospel is something that is timeless. Many things that we encounter every day are not. Many things we find and use are disposable, like diapers. Or they're one of those things that is a one-time use item, like a battery. Many things wear out, they expire, they spoil. But the gospel doesn't. It doesn't expire. Its use is not once and done, but instead it is something that is passed on. The gospel Paul received, then, was the same gospel that Paul delivered to the Corinthians. Now, we're all familiar with the game called Telephone. It's where a lot of people stand in a line and a message is given to the first person in line and the message is passed through the entire line. And it is often the case that the message at the end of the line is different from the message at the beginning of the line. Well, when it comes to the gospel, that wasn't the case. Paul, when he had received the gospel, didn't manipulate it in any way. Instead, Paul was more like the mailman. He picks up his package from the post office and he drops it at your door. He simply delivers what he receives. Nothing is added. Nothing is subtracted. Just think with me for a moment. Can you imagine what it would be like for a postman, for a mailman, to remove the check from your birthday card? Or can you imagine what it would be like if the postman added a few of his own thoughts to the birthday card for you and put it back in the envelope and resealed it and put it in your mailbox? That kind of postman, he would be fired. When it comes to the apostle Paul, he was given the task of delivering the gospel and he took nothing from it and he added nothing to it. He refused to do what so many preachers today don't refuse to do. Many today, they gut the gospel of its, of its great salvation from sin, and they add to the gospel their own strategies on achieving success. In other words, books like Become a Better You. There's the hope. But it's, it's jettisoned the gospel message, and it's, it's brought in your own thoughts. And what's unique about this whole coronavirus time is the fact that many, many church services have gone online. And what that has done has been to expose this very sad reality that many preachers aren't preaching the gospel, the one that Paul received and gave to the Corinthians. What they're giving is something else. And in, at times you can't fault them for it. Because they have never heard the gospel in their childhood home or in their childhood church or in the religious institutions or their seminaries because all of those institutions have gone away from the gospel. So that's why many, many preachers today just are passing along a false gospel. And all, many, many times these false gospels can be traced back to liberal theology, which in essence liberal theology denies the supernatural. It denies miracles, 
It denies the authority of the scripture because there's no such thing as a supernatural God who spoke and we have it in the scriptures before us. Everything has to be reasonable. There is no supernatural. And when you believe that, then the gospel breaks down because the gospel is about what Jesus did to save us from our sins and Christ rose from the dead. That's not normal and natural. Right. It's supernatural. Liberal Christianity is not really Christianity at all. And that's why so many, so much preaching that you hear online now is about positivity and philanthropy. So people will say the Christian tradition to pass along or the gospel tradition is to be kind and it promotes self-care. That's Christianity if you listen to them. But that's not Christianity at all. It's actually another religion with another God. So we have to be watchful when it comes to what preachers are saying and whether or not what they're saying is what the gospel truly is. So what we find there is a check on church leaders. Are they giving the gospel? They have a responsibility to maintain the gospel. Now, what do we learn? I guess the question that each one of us individually needs to ask ourselves is, how are we doing with handing the gospel off? Each one of us. The first point I would then ask us if we're going to have a good answer to that is, do we have the true gospel? Do we know what the gospel is? And this often comes up in membership interviews. I ask the person who wants to join the church who wants to represent Jesus Christ in our community, I ask them the simple question, what is the gospel? And I am hoping to hear words like Jesus Christ, death, resurrection, and sin. Sometimes I hear those words, sometimes I don't. But one of my hopes through the course of this study is that the gospel will become ingrained in us because we have to know the gospel. We have to know what we have is true. Because if it's not the true gospel, it's like we're running in football fake handoff plays. And we're running thinking we have the true gospel and running into the end zone thinking we've made a touchdown when we haven't. That's much of what the church, the professing church, what is true of them. They don't have the true gospel. Not the one that Paul talks about. So, do we have it? We need to. We should through our course of our study. Secondly, are you delivering the gospel that you've received? Okay, you know what it is. Now are you delivering it? And I want to distinguish that question from another question, which I think can, can be and often is misleading. And that question is this. Have you led anyone to Jesus? You see, there's a difference between those two questions when it comes to the responsibility and the reception of the gospel. Our responsibility is to deliver the gospel, to call sinners to repent. And it's possible for us to heap guilt upon very faithful obedience when you consider whether those that you've witnessed to are receptive to the gospel ministry. In other words, there are times we think, my witness is a failure because people aren't receptive. That's not true. It's not your responsibility to save people. God saves people. You witness, 
what God has done through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection unto the forgiveness of sins. You imagine what would have happened to the Apostle Paul who went to Corinth, and we have the episode in Acts 18, and there were many people who didn't receive the gospel message. You can imagine how guilty he must have felt if he were asked the question, well, did you lead these people to Jesus? Well, many of them refused the gospel message. But he didn't heap guilt upon himself because people weren't receptive. He probably would have left town a lot earlier if that were the case. No, he was simply faithful to give the gospel, to deliver the gospel. So the question for us is, are we communicating the gospel we've received? And that should show up in our worship time, in our homes, and in all of our church services, whether Sunday school or the main service or any other service. The gospel should be showing up because those times, our family times, our church times, those are the primary times that we communicate the gospel to ourselves and to those who need to be saved, our kindred. In addition to that, you know that we've covenanted to seek the salvation of our acquaintances. So we need to be faithful in the responsibility to communicate the gospel. Paul delivered it to the Corinthians. Are we being faithful to this responsibility? We have to be, because the gospel tradition depends on it. Second point tonight, we rest upon the authority of the gospel tradition. Not only must we maintain it, but we rest upon the authority of the gospel tradition. And the point is that Paul did not create the gospel message that he gave to the Corinthians. He received the gospel tradition as the Corinthians did. Look at verse 3. I delivered what? I delivered the gospel that I also received. You see, the gospel tradition is BP. It was before Paul. It didn't start with Paul. It was there before Paul. What's the gospel tradition? Just to recover it once more, we find it in verses 3, 4, and 5. It is the fact that Christ died and rose. He died for our sins. He rose on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. That's the tradition that Paul received. That's the tradition that the Corinthians received. Therefore, Paul is not the author. Paul's not an inventor. He's not a guru. He's not a developer. He didn't tweak the gospel in any way. He didn't manipulate the gospel. The gospel is a tradition that he received. And what is unique about these verses is that they're almost identical in their formula to a verse that we all know so well when it comes to the Lord's Supper. I delivered what I also received. What does that sound like? That sounds like chapter 11, verse 23, where Paul says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And we've heard that every month for the last 36 years or something else. You see, the whole point there is Paul is not the originator of the Lord's Supper and he's not the originator of the gospel either. And if he wasn't then, where does the gospel come from? Well, this text doesn't tell us explicitly, but we know that the gospel is communicated from God. We're taught in the next couple of verses that it was according to the scriptures, which the scriptures are from the Lord. We know from the parallel in chapter 11, verse 23, that Paul received from the Lord. But as an explicit cross-reference, you could look at Galatians 1, 
uh, verses 11 and 12. It says this, Paul speaking, I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul received it directly from the Lord. You say, well, what does that matter? Well, we live in a culture that glorifies those who are influential. And some of those influential people are called celebrities. Other people are actually just called influencers. And people often listen to things that these kinds of people say. They buy the products that these people advertise. And the temptation is to become like these people by parroting popular messages. So the temptation is to become popular by producing popular content. That's not what Paul did. Paul was not a producer. He was more like the postman. He received something, he delivered it. And that must be what is true for all church leaders. And that has to be the strong conviction of all church leaders that we're not the source of our own message. That it's not that I had a thought this last week and I want to share it with you. The thoughts aren't supposed to come from the preacher. They're supposed to come from the scriptures. So in a broad, practical way, in a church setting, this whole point that the gospel's origin is not in a person, it's in God, that needs to give us assurance that you and I can trust the teachers in our church because our teachers deliver God's word. It's not like just the pastor is the only person who deserves to be trusted because he's so bombastic and amazing, which I don't find myself to be. The point is, you can trust any teacher who rightly divides God's word. And what that allows for is you can have many teachers at a church, and we do. We have Sunday school teachers. We have people who fill in. We have all kinds of teachers. And they faithfully deliver God's word as God's word. They don't think up things and just tell you what they think. And what that allows then beyond that is a sequence of pastors through the decades and through the centuries. Because the message doesn't rest on an individual. The individual is just like a mailman. He receives something and delivers it. That's it. And God has many of those through the years because the gospel is something that's timeless. That's in a broad sense. In a narrow sense, in a home setting, the whole fact that the gospel is sourced in God, it should allow husbands and dads to teach their families with confidence. And I say that because our culture applauds originality. And all we're supposed to do is repeat a gospel tradition. We're not trying to be original. We're not trying to entertain anyone. We're simply trying to continue on this gospel tradition. And if we do that, we have every confidence that we're doing the right thing because this tradition originates with Almighty God. That's the gospel tradition. Tradition often engenders either nostalgia or nausea. Some people like it, some don't. Regardless, the gospel tradition is something that's timeless. And it calls us then to maintain it and to rest upon it. And as we do, the most important tradition of all 
lives on. And it's just a wonderful thing that years ago, Paul gave the gospel to the Corinthians. And many, many years later, we still are recipients of the gospel, and we still deliver the gospel to other people. And it hasn't changed. It's still the power of God unto salvation. And my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, that's the gospel tradition that we need to maintain and rest in. Let's pray. Father, as we consider this good news, we ask that you would encourage us with it. We are so thankful that we know it, that we've been taught it. We are so thankful that we're convinced of it. We're so thankful that you have worked in our hearts on many occasions to share it. And in many occasions, we have been faithful to do so. And we just thank you that you have worked in us and changed us because apart from your grace, we would never do that kind of thing or believe these kinds of things. So we praise you for that. And we ask for your grace on the next occasion, when appropriate, to share the good news of Jesus Christ with our families, with our neighbors, as we have opportunity. We pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.